Welcome back, everyone, to the All Access USL podcast. It is just me today for this breakdown. Um, next weekend, we will have some co-hosts back, likely um, our friend MBFC Discussion, and then maybe another guest as well. We shall see. Um, but that will be next weekend. Also coming out this week, hopefully, will be a interview drop with a player. If that does happen, I'm going to leave that um, to be a surprise, but it should be happening. I'm excited for that. So that is big. Um, other than that, we're just going to jump right into the um, game reviews today. A lot of reviews. We had Friday night action, which was huge. We had a good slate on Saturday, and we had a very very honestly big Sunday. I think Sunday was one of the most telling days uh, more so than Saturday and Friday were. But we're going to start off with a little bit of transfer news because teams are still building their rosters. You know, you start to see as the season begins, you start to see rosters come together more so because you want that uh, gelling of players to happen before the season starts, but we've had two um, remarkably big signings happening just today as of recording this. Um, U.S. Youth International Nate Worth signs with FC Tulsa. That is big. A great option. He was offered a um, homegrown deal with his parent New York Red Bulls team. He did play USL Championship action last year with the New York Red Bulls too, but he opts to come back to play for FC Tulsa in um, the USL Championship, which I think is big. I also believe that this option would allow him to leave at 18 for Europe. I It might be different if you're in MLS, you might have to leave later or the... Um, it, it just might be a bit different. I'm not too sure on that, but I know that this option for sure allows him to leave for Europe at 18. So it seems like this would just be until he turns 18, until I believe the summer of 2025. But it says ink to a multi-year deal. So it seems like he will be there at least until the summer of 2025, which will be big. Uh, if he can grow into a great playmaking midfielder, like Tulsa probably are going to need at this point, especially this year. I don't think they can really count on a 16-year-old to be that. But if they are... We'll see how he grows into that role. Um, but that's a big signing. That's a big youth player landed for a team like Tulsa, who ha- are not the biggest market. They do have a good youth system, I will say, and they do have great scouting abilities. I think they're one of the best there uh, in the USL Championship. They're definitely towards the top in that ability. But in terms of what they put out on the field, like quality-wise all the time and the like, I don't want to undermine them, but the turnout to their games and just like the, like, it's still a great soccer city for the USL Championship, but it's definitely not up there in terms of the USL Championship. So I think this is a great pickup um, for a team who needs a midfielder like this now more so than later. And this seems like a later thing, but we'll see. And just a team who's not really up there in terms of like, Rocky. Recogn- like, 
you know, being able to recognize them. That's what I'm looking for. Good Lord. So that's the first big um, signing we have on the dog today. The next one is honestly one that I did not see coming. Um, Tulsa or Tulsa, Memphis have been not looking too great in terms of overall play. And we'll get into that when we talk about games here in a minute. Um, but I, th- I think, and Trey, I mean, I'm going to talk about Drew Romick, who has been very good in his two games, despite back-to-back 3-1 losses. Um, and I think him and Trey Muse are, uh, I don't know how old Drew Romick is. I'll have to look it up real quick. Drew Romick is 24. So him and Trey Muse are about the same age-ish. But I think what Trey Muse had that Drew Romick had is the team and um, just tactical awareness around him. Like he had a coach in Ben Perman who knew what he wanted from the um, team. And tactically, they were very good. They were able to put it together on the field. So I think Trey Muse, along on top of being a good goalkeeper, had his defense tactically on his side. And I Drew Romick, despite being very good in these past two games, does not. So what Memphis do is they go out and sign Bill Hamid, formerly of MLS, particularly DC United, a big veteran goalkeeper. And despite Stephen Glass's shortcomings as a manager and how poor the um how poor Memphis have been in these past couple games, I truly think Memphis can build better with Bill Hamid in goal. Purely because I think he's going to get that defense into shape. He takes no shit. Go back and watch any highlights where DC United get thrashed or whatnot. He is on his defenders all the time. And in this league, that's going to be huge. So I think Bill Hamid will give Memphis a bump. I don't know how much of a bump, but I do think... He infinitely makes them a better team. So I'm pleased to see Memphis um, getting that put together in goal with Hamid. We'll have to see how that plays out, though. Um, No other um, transfers I can think of right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to move into games. We have a lot to talk about. We also have the game to talk about from Wednesday, which was the El Paso Locomotive versus um, the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, the Switchbacks' first game of the season. Um, And it turned out to be a very, very good game for the Switchbacks. And I think we're going to talk about more about El Paso 2 um, throughout this episode, but I think El Paso might be on the docket for close to, if not rock bottom of the West. That's three home losses in a row once we get to their next game. Um, but the switchbacks come out with a great, great win. Um, Enriquez in the second minute and Duke Lacroix with the winner. So not much more you could ask for. I mean, it's a good, it's a good win, a good away win. Um, in Stephen Hogan's first game in charge of the switchbacks. And we'll have to see how this, how the switchbacks can build 
on this win. Um, I mean, like I said, El Paso, not exactly the best team right now. The switchbacks will be heading next to San Antonio. So I think what I'm going to do is I'll just cover games, then I'll cover the next games that they play. So switchbacks heading to San Antonio. That is going to be a, ooh, that could be rough. That could be rough. And it's it's weird because, and switchbacks do play Hartford as well. Um, just saying that to keep that in my mind. So I don't know how that's going to go because San Antonio will get to their game as well. Um, I would honestly say 2-1 San Antonio because I think the switchbacks showed a lot offensively to be completely fair to them um, against El Paso. But I think San Antonio are more killers despite being held to Loudon. And I think San Antonio, just in terms of pure quality, will take that game. Um, and then in terms of the El Paso locomotive, they have Louisville City FC next. That's going to be a rough game. I think Louisville City uh, for El Paso locomotive nil. This will be El Paso's First away game, and if they keep showing what they show at home against the Louisville side, who overload all the time through the midfield, have clinical finishers up top, um, Cameron Lancaster, who's backfiring, then I just think it's going to be too much for El Paso to handle. So we'll do that. All right. Um, next up, we've got Birmingham Legion 3, FC Tulsa 2. At Protective Stadium, I honestly, I was able to catch most of this game. So I was able to see um, the Birmingham Legion pick up the lead with Tyler Pasher in the fourth minute. Um, a great finish. But then Tulsa come back. Rodrigo da Costa, Marcus Epps make it 2-1 in the space of five minutes. And I think Tulsa... Um, this is the Tulsa team that we're expecting to see, that at least I'm expecting to see. The Tulsa team that takes over. Blair Gavin's finally finding to start, finally starting to find his footsteps as manager, knows the players. The players know what they, uh, what he wants from them. Um, and attacking-wise, it seemed like they were on the same page, but then the pure quality of the Birmingham Legion showed. Tyler Pasher with a great strike in the 83rd minute. And then Nico Brett with the winner in the 92nd minute, the second minute of at a time. And this Birmingham Legion team, who, to be completely fair to them, I did not rate highly heading into the season, pulls out a great comeback win against Tulsa. Um, they're going to have their work cut out for them, though, in the next game. Hartford Athletic, who have lost or who lost opening day to, the, to Monterey Bay, short up their defense in their next game. But this is a Birmingham Legion team who scored four goals in two games. Tyler Pasher is on one now. I'm going to give that a two-all draw. I think that Hartford defense is going to falter a bit again. I know that they were able to tighten up um, at the back um, in the uh, in their game against the switchbacks. But I think the Legion will still get them um, caught out a couple times. Uh, but Hartford, more than capable of them scoring themselves. So I'll say two all there. And then Tulsa, after a crushing loss, face Loudon United next. And while I don't want to undermine Loudon and what they've been able to do, I think Tulsa is able to get their first win of the season here because 
Loudon for the Cup is a dream that I think would be lovely to see. No doubt about it. But I I just don't know how much how long Loudon can keep this up. Um, I do think if like it's definitely possible that they keep this up for the stretch of this season. Um, but I think Tulsa will just be too much to handle right now, especially with Tulsa having the sour taste in their mouths of that loss. So I'll say FC Tulsa 3, Loudoun United 2, Tulsa on the right end of a 3-2 scoreline. So that covers Birmingham. Tulsa will move on um, to Memphis 901, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And I mean, this game was very, very interesting. Purely because I did not know what to expect from the from Memphis after the first game and from Pittsburgh after the first game. Um, Pittsburgh come out and take the lead through Albert Dikwa. Then Bruno Lapa equalizes with his first goal for Memphis 901. But then it's an Albert Dikwa hat trick that cancels out. It's another 3-1 loss at home for Memphis. And <clears throat> you have to think, what are what like what is this Memphis team going to be? Because at some points they have the quality to be a better team, but I mean Stephen Glass, I keep saying it, I don't rate him as a manager. Um, the Philip Goodrum situation, I don't think is necessarily helping, and then the, some questionable decisions. More importantly, that we see Rashawn Daly playing as a defender yet again. That does not make much sense. He is a striker. Um, so I, it's just questionable again. But it's a great win for Pittsburgh after that opening draw against um, Birmingham. And once again, uh, it's a team proving me wrong who I did not rate heading into the season. First Birmingham, now Pittsburgh coming to Memphis, getting the three points. Um, we'll move to... Memphis's next game, they play the Oakland Roots. I honestly think that would be a great chance to get some points. Um, Oakland have not had a great start to the year. A one-all draw against RGV and a 3-1 loss to San Antonio. Um, not much of a, not many goal-scoring threats from Oakland. Defensively, they've always been very good. Uh, but Memphis, in their first away game, will they be able to score goals? I'm not sure. I'd I'd um, I'd give I'm gonna give this game a nil nil finish because I just I just don't think there is enough from both teams um, offensively to warrant a goal scored in that game. Uh, Pittsburgh, on the other hand, they will play Miami this Friday at home at Highmark Stadium. That'll be a great game. Um, Miami coming off of a one nil loss against New Mexico United. Pittsburgh. Miami also coming off of that one-all draw against Tulsa. So they'll be looking for their first one, but it's going to be tough heading to Highmark with a Pittsburgh team who is showing that they still have that quality. So I would give that a 2-1 Pittsburgh win. I think Miami will still be able to show up, but I think Pittsburgh will just edge it there. So we'll move on to that Miami-New Mexico game. Um... Just the Portillo goal for New Mexico in the 85th minute gives them the win. Uh, their first game of the season. Miami will be looking for more. I, they played fantastically. 
um, in the first game, to be honest. They were unlikely not to come away with a win against Tulsa. Many uh, good looks, but Michael Nelson in that Tulsa goal was just too good. And then they falter here at home, uh, their second home game in a row. Falter here. Um, I don't know. I think Miami will show up this season, but I think it's just going to be another slow start, which is unfortunate. I still have them as a top team in the East, but a couple more games like this, it could be tough to keep them there for sure. So New Mexico with the big win there. Um, we'll move on to Colorado Springs versus Hartford. Hartford and Elvis, Elvis Amo more, uh, I should say, gets his first goal back against the switchbacks in the 70th minute, and then Zandy for the switchbacks in the 80th minute levels it up. Pretty even game in front of a big crowd at Widener Field. You love to see it. Kave Rod, I think, had a decent game um, for what it's worth. Yellow card in the 35th minute, but seemed to hold it down at the back. Um, in terms of Colorado Springs, Isaiah Foster seemed to do pretty well as well. Had to bring on Duke Lacroix early, though, which is unfortunate. King going off early. Not what you want to see. But I think both teams here will be, um, or not Isaiah Foster, Foster, Malik Foster. Gosh, I saw Foster and I thought Isaiah. Wrong. Malik Foster had a great game. Um, but, like I said, even game. Harford will be looking for more as they head into their next outing. Same with the switchbacks. Uh, Harford, more importantly, then the switchbacks looking for their first win of the season, which they will want more uh, sooner rather than later. So we'll move on to our next game, which I think was the most surprising game of the weekend for sure. Uh, El Paso fall 3-1 at home to Detroit. And this is the game I was able to catch the most of. El Paso, for what it's worth, look decent at points, but they just are not able to convert. And they really made a meal of this game because as much as I like to say that Detroit can't score goals, they put on a clinic. Uh, a Yuma own goal, a forced Yuma own goal by Detroit in the ninth minute. Very, very good work off that right-hand side to force it. Um, but then Costition for... El Paso in the 17th minute levels it up, and he seems like he will be a problem this season. Love the looks of him. Great work, great work ethic, great ability, great at finding passes. He will be a killer if El Paso can find some footing and allow him to continue to create. So it's one all at this point, but then it's Matthews and Rodriguez to finish off the game for Detroit which, to their credit, adapted well in order to find these goal-scoring opportunities because Detroit, for what it's worth, line up in a formation that you would think allows for a lot of goals scored and a lot of goals conceded, but it's really the opposite. Detroit last year had one of the best defenses in the East and the league, and um, consequently, also had a pretty poor offense. Rodriguez had the most goals last year, I believe, with 10. Um, but this year, I thought it was going to completely 
um, change. They'd have a regressing offense, but the defense would stay the same. It seems like the defense will stay the same. That's only two goals conceded in two games. Um, but they get three here against El Paso, and they line up in that three, uh, five, no, yeah, three, three, four, two, one, or three, four, one, two formation. It kind of interchanges with two cams and one striker, or one, one cam and two strikers. Um, but the options they have are Yazid Matthews, who showed his ability to score today, which was great. Pleased with that, and pleased for them. Um, Connor Rutsch, who had three goals last year, and then Skage Simonson, who, to be fair, has had his looks. So I think Detroit will be happy with his performance, and I think it proves that Detroit can score goals this year and will be able to continue to score goals this year. So... With that, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will come back to finish off the games and talk about anything else we need to for the good of the order. All right, and we are back from that little break to continue to talk about this past weekend's games. Uh, next up, we have Monterey Bay, Louisville. Um, pretty pretty good game from both sides to be honest monterey bay not able to find the breakthrough although pretty defensively sound even though conceding to brian ownby and the same can be said for louisville city fc who are able to find that goal hold down get the clean sheet very good for them brian ownby in the 48th minute who then gets sent off in the 67th minute so he will be unavailable for louisville's next game against el paso um, I want to say two, like two things here. It's that Monterey Bay, despite this loss, have proven that they are going to be a force this season. They put in a fantastic opening display against Hartford Athletic. Um, they were able to, they were not able to, I should say, to start, um, replicate the five goal performance here against Louisville. But they were able to severely and importantly uh, tighten up at the back and only conceding the one goal, despite not getting a goal or a point from this game, is still definitely a positive to be looked at. Um, Glasser, again, pretty solid. Uh, Lara comes on for Monterey Bay, solid at the back. Uh, Hugh Dixon, good. A lot to like for Monterey Bay. Brian Ownby obviously gets the game-winning goal. Good to see him. Winder comes on for Louisville um, after the news of his um, likely May move or finished May move to Benfica for a USL record $1.5 million. That will be interesting to see how that goes and how Louisville either deal with his absence or are they able to replace him with another youngster or someone else that they bring in, we shall see. Um, not too much else from Louisville or Monterey Bay. Just thought I'd say, impressive how Monterey Bay grew from that game against Hartford despite the loss, and Louisville, after the Orange County game, keep on trucking. So Louisville, like I said, have um, El Paso next, and then Monterey Bay on Friday night, head to HEB Park to take on RGV. That'll be an interesting game for sure. I think Monterey Bay honestly take that despite the Wilmer magic and RGV having a um, two one-all draws in a row. 
I think Monterey Bay take it here. I think it's a 2-0 win for Monterey Bay. Uh, I think it'll be their second win of the season, and I think it will set them up nicely as they head into the upcoming weeks. Next up, we've got Orange County versus Tampa Bay, and I liked Orange County in this game, to be completely honest. Um, I don't, I still don't know what to really expect for Orange County this year. Um, I think for the most part, they could either be a replica of last year in that they seemingly fall apart after a pretty decent start. I mean, it hasn't been a decent start. They've got one point from two games, uh, but who knows who knows um, Orange County able to get their goal through Emil Nielsen in the 40th minute. And then um, Tampa Bay get their goal through Zachary Erivo in the 82nd minute. So again, another pretty even game. Um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Orange County will be able to play once Mark McNulty is available. Um, a big target man like that, I think, will fit this Orange County team nicely. I think he has those goals in him that they need and that they haven't necessarily gotten from Milan Oloski yet. I think he'll come good um, for sure as the season goes on. But so far, hasn't worked. Also, forgot to mention the debut of Cody Cropper in goal. Still 30 years old, has a lot of time in goal left, um, and could be at Orange County for a while. And very interesting how Orange County played playing out of that 4-5-1. They play very flat in that midfield. Uh, doesn't allow for a lot of flexibility going forward. So just one goal in their um, one goal a game in their last two games. Maybe they are able to um, fix that, find something in the next couple of games. But we shall see. Uh, Tampa Bay playing out of that 3-5-2, as they usually do. J.J. Williams and Cal Jennings up top. Not able to find a goal in this game. It's Erivo for midfield, from the center of midfield. Um, and then Breno in goal. Phil Breno in goal. So, coming in. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. So, the one I'll draw here for Orange County versus Tampa Bay. And then the last game of Saturday night, uh, we saw Sacramento take on Charleston Battery. Uh, Charleston take the majority of possession here, 56% to Sacramento's 44%. So that's what we know. Charleston going to want to hold on to possession like that, play more uh, out of the back now, stuff like that. Kerman ball for sure. Uh, Sacramento held to that 44%. Charleston with the best duels one, um, and then the four corners for Sacramento. They edge it there. Um, pretty even on shots as well, and you'd think – uh, Charleston having five shots on target, just not able to convert on all of their opportunities, which is really a shame, which leads them also to their second one-all draw in a row. They'll be looking for that first win once they head home against Tampa Bay. Um, Sacramento at home against the biggest crowd of the weekend, 11,500 Sacramento Republic supporters at Hard Health Park. Good stuff. Um, playing out of that 3-4-3, might have wanted a bit more. Charleston playing out of the standard uh, 4-2-3-1 that we see a lot. So I think more opportunities for Cicerone in the next game will be what they were looking for, especially after how he played in the first game. 
Uh, Jack Gurr with Sacramento's goal gets them the equalizer in the 55th minute. And it's A.J. Patterson for, or Arthur Patterson, I should say. A.J. Patterson, Arthur Patterson, who gets them their lead. Uh, And Felipe for Sacramento sent off in the 36th minute. So not great down to 10 men for a good two-thirds of the game, but Gurr able to equalize and hold Charleston, which is big. So that wraps up our Saturday games. We will move to our Sunday games now. Three huge Sunday games for sure. Uh, We'll start off with Loudon and San Antonio. Again, Zach Ryan shows his ability. His second goal of the season so far. Um, I believe, or no, that'd be, I believe this would be his third goal of the season. I believe he had a brace in the opening game. Um, good movement for him. Just, again, very, very impressive stuff early on from Loudon. We saw it last year that they were impressive from the jump, but didn't exactly work out last year. We'll see how Loudon can do playing out of that 4-4-2 that they like to play out of. They held a lot of the possession. We know um, San Antonio liked to play out of that low block, and they did it again. 35% possession, um, 64% possession for Loudon, um, passing the ball around all game long. We're able to find that early goal, but it's Ignacio Bailone in the 55th minute um, playing out of that 5-3-2, 5-3-2, again, that low block is killer. Um, and Bailone up top, able to find the goal. Um, and then, unfortunately, Loudon are going to lose their top goal scorer, Zach Ryan, for the next outing as he gets sent off in the 91st minute. Not great. Um, we'll see how this 4-4-2 will be able to play with a different striker option up top. Um, I'll also be looking for, hopefully, Bryce Washington to get some play time soon. Um, a 4-4-2, pretty standard, allows for a lot of change. And then that 5-3-2, not going to change San Antonio with that low block. It's going to happen all day. So pretty, both teams playing how you'd expect, but I don't think it's the scoreline you'd expect. That's for sure. Um, we'll move on to San Diego Phoenix. Um, very, very interesting game, first of all. Uh, San Diego, who do play along um, also are capable of holding possession out possessed 66.6 to 33.4 uh, Phoenix very un or well, very like them under Juan Guerra now I should say but very unlike them in the past to hold all this possession but now Garibald it's all about that slow buildup and it doesn't work on the day San Diego make work of the little ball that they had a goal from Conway 44th minute good to see him on the score sheet Great finish under Rios Novo, I will have to say. Very impressed with that. Um, Ronaldo Damus in the 74th minute with a strike from outside the box. Very clinical stuff. Rios Novo can't get there. And then Blake Bedelli in the 90th minute from a tight angle gets San Diego the 3-0 win. Um, that 3-5-2 that San Diego play makes me pretty surprised at the lack of possession because it is a very long and see what you can do from the top of the box kind of formation. But, you know, they're more than capable of holding possession. You, I would expect at least 40, but Phoenix do the majority playing out of that 3-4-3, which is a pretty possessive formation, but can also be used as a pump and dump formation. But they use it possessively. Doesn't work. They fall 
San Diego, who now four goals scored in two games, zero conceded, heading into their next game against Sacramento away. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, so 3-0 win there. And then the last game of Sunday, RGV won, Oakland won. Ricketts for RGV in the 14th minute, and then Rodriguez for Oakland in the 82nd minute. Um, this game, I also feel like, had a draw written all over it after what we saw from RGV Las Vegas and Oakland San Antonio last week. Um, RGV playing out of that pretty um, standard and forward-thinking 4-2-3-1, just a one-striker, and then Oakland playing defensively like Oakland do, despite the new manager. So... One all draw. We'll see how they do next week. Oakland have Memphis at home, their first home game of the season, and then RGV have Monterey Bay at home on Friday night. So that covers the games. I don't think there's anything else I want to cover um, for this episode. I know it's a bit of a shorter episode, uh, but we will have longer episodes back should the interview with the player happen this week and then next weekend with some more guests. The episodes will be longer. So thank you guys for listening. And I will see you guys um, later this week for either the interview or the next uh, game review episodes.